wow, we made a triumphant return to the pod, if I do say so myself. Um, did I do anything today? Today is Sunday, August 28th, 2022. Um, no, I didn't actually. Um, I'm trying this thing where I relax once in a while and it's really difficult. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, I have this thing where I basically suffer from wanting to have to be productive like 24 seven. And what that ends up translating to is that I'm like constantly looking at screens when I shouldn't be looking at screens. And I never really give myself a break. And then I, you know, flagellate myself in my mind, um, wondering why I haven't, you know, made it, why I'm not more successful. Uh, why I still live in a studio apartment in Los Angeles, even though I know the reason why is because it's rent controlled and I am not leaving unless they pay me to leave. You know, I, I just berate myself for things that I shouldn't berate myself for and things that I shouldn't be um, focused on. I think that's relatable, right? Are we starting out with something relatable? Uh, so I didn't go outside all day today, <laughs> which is probably not healthy. Like maybe I could have like gone for a walk like around the block or something, but I didn't feel like it. And um, I just like oscillated between like watching stuff. And I have to be honest, like sometimes I don't want to watch anything. I think that we watch things too much. Uh, I feel like I've seen every movie that's ever been made. Does anybody else feel like they've seen everything that's ever been made? Even though I, that's not true, obviously. But like, you know, I get into the habit of wanting to watch the same things over and over again. Um, like it's like almost a coping mechanism to bring myself comfort. Uh, wow, that's like pretty deep. Um, so, you know, I'll watch like the same like movies over and over again when I'm in like a certain mood. But um, overall, I today just really tried to do nothing. And um, let's see, I read a couple chapters in, in the, um, I'm reading the Charlie Kaufman book, Ant Kind. Um, you know, everybody was saying how funny this book is and I did not believe it even though I am like a huge Charlie Kaufman fan, I was just like being a hater for no reason. First page I read, I, I like can't even breathe because I'm laughing so fucking hard. And I'm only like 50 pages into this book and it's, I, there's like something that's made me laugh out loud on almost every page. So I guess the book is good. So I, I just need to like power through it. Let's see how many pages this is in total. Oh, it's a light um, 705 pages, so no big deal. Uh, <laughs> when I finish this, I will be proud and I can finally be like, yeah, I'm an intellectual. I'm a coast. I'm a true coastal elite because I finished this book. It's not because I went to NYU. It's not because I, you know, I'm in the business or whatever. It's because I finished Charlie Kaufman's Ant Kind. You know, I have to say that like a lot of men endorse the book, you know, which is interesting. Mm. I guess it's not like, to sorry, I'm parched. I took a, a sip of um, my 7-Eleven brand bottled water. 
um, purified water with minerals and electrolytes added for taste. I never understood that. Electrolytes added for taste. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Charlie Kaufman is definitely like, like something that like intellectual men, you know, flex that they know something about. They're like, uh, yeah, Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Huge fan of uh, adaptation and uh, being John Malkovich and Synecdoche, New York. They don't know what a Synecdoche is, though. I have to explain what a Synecdoche is to a lawyer I worked with. I said it's a part of a whole, you know, it's a part of speech to indicate a part of a whole. You know, like if you say man in place of saying like mankind, that's like a weak example, but that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, so I did mostly nothing. I read the book. Um, I finished watching season nine of 90 Day Fiance, the uh, part two of the tell-all. Wow, what a messy season. I think I talked about uh, one of the couples a few months ago. Um, it's this couple named Bilal and Shahida. Is that right? Shahida? Yeah, and um, she's this like sweet woman from uh, Trinidad who, I don't know, like she's 37 and everybody's just like clowning her being like, oh, she's so fucking old. I'm like, oh my God, like... I'm 35 and like whenever I hear people like talking about how like somebody being like super old and they're right around my age I'm just I'm like it baffles me because I don't feel old at all I feel really young and I feel like there's so much more left to do and I'm only getting started um so like the myth of aging is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately but that's unrelated to 90 day fiance but she's 37. She wants to have kids. Bilal is this, like, ugh, he's older. He already has two kids that are, like, they're old enough to, like, talk and have thoughts. They're, like, teenagers. And <laughs> and he's, like, constantly, like, evading. Like, in the entire season, he's evading her question about, like, can we have children? And the theory that has been proposed multiple times on the 90 Day Fiance subreddit is that he obviously had a vasectomy and isn't telling her and is basically like trapping her into marriage. And when she doesn't get pregnant, he's just going to be like, oh, it's just like God's will that we didn't get pregnant because like they're Muslim and like really religious. And I'm sure she'll just be like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm, that's what happened. You know, Allah did not want us to have children. And I just feel bad for her because, I mean, I think he is hiding that. Because he was just so, like, hesitant to, like, say, like, oh, yeah, I'll commit to having a child. Like, I think he fully knows that he cannot conceive a child, you know? I mean, maybe he could if he went back and reversed the vasectomy, but it's so obvious that he's, like, hiding that from her. And all of the viewers, like, seem to know that. But she's just, like, so, like, innocent and sweet that she's not even bringing that up and questioning it. So that was an interesting uh, couple on the season. The other one that's like, ugh, I hated this couple. It was Muhammad and Eve. And Muhammad, I'm not sure what country he was from, but he was um, Arabic. And Eve is um, a Latina woman from, I'm not sure what state she's in, but I'm leaning like California or Arizona because her, her and her friends are really like into like, you know, like moon ceremonies and Tantra and... 
um, you know, just like spirituality and things like that. And Muhammad had like a huge problem with it because he thinks that like women should not talk about sex ever. And on the tell-all, it was revealed that Muhammad was a virgin until they had sex after they were married. But the update on Muhammad and Eve is that Muhammad cheated on Eve and they're now getting a divorce. And who knows if he'll be able to stay in this country because the whole season, like, it was so obvious that he was, like, using Eve to get a green card because there's an episode where he tells her, like, oh, well, you know, if you don't give me what I want, if you don't do the paperwork, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to find another sponsor, you know, as if he can just, like, swap her out with, like, some other person who's going to, like, sponsor him to be a citizen Oh, God, he's so creepy. He looks like a Furby. It's hard to describe. If you look him up, look up Mohammed, 90 Day Fiance. Not the first Mohammed who was married to Danielle, um, who apparently had a problem with BV, um, which is what he used as an excuse for saying why they didn't have sex. But I found that, like, suspicious. Like, I'm not entirely sure if that's true. Not that I'm like a 90 day fiance detective, but he also just seemed like kind of like low key, not low key, but like he definitely was like misogynist and weird. And it was obvious that he wasn't really into Danielle, but in comparison to Muhammad and Eve, uh, Muhammad and Danielle was a more appropriate couple, <laughs> shockingly. Uh, sorry to be talking about 90 Day Fiance at length if you don't watch it, but it is, as I recently told a co-worker, um, one of the greatest television shows ever created in the history of man. So, uh, please watch it if you haven't. So, uh, a little of what's new with me, um, I almost got canceled. Um, oh my god, I almost made it. I almost did it. I almost was able to push my career forward by getting canceled. And the context of this was that I had a tweet maybe like a week ago almost that it just said like a passing thought that was like, um, if you're having a bad day, just remember that the woman who was ghosted by Martin Shkreli is probably having a worse day. Okay, didn't say any names. That's it. It's just like a throwaway tweet. Like it's not even like directed at her. I couldn't even think of her name when I was tweeting it, it was like, whatever, no fucking big deal, right? Uh, six days later, the woman who was ghosted by Martin Shkreli finds it and she quote tweets it. She's like, ah, well, my Amazon fresh order was late today. If that helps you make feel make you feel better about yourself. And then like, she's like writing this like whole thread, like saying like, I don't understand why people are so insecure and tweet about me like this. And like the whole time I'm thinking like, well, how did you find this? Like, did you search uh, his name? Because I didn't mention your name at all. I couldn't even think of your name, even though I have read her article. I think it was in Harper's Bazaar. Um, and it was just like an article about um, the whole saga of like her like kind of having a relationship with him and him like allegedly like promising to marry her and have a baby with her. Um, and then like she, you know, she has all these like sycophants who are like, oh, that's so mean. Why would somebody write that about you? And it's like, I was not writing that about you. And obviously the tweet isn't really about you. It's about like 
like having a bad day and the fact that being ghosted by Martin Shkreli would be fucking horrible because he's a scumbag. Okay. And you wrote about being ghosted by him publicly and everybody like ratioed you online. But she was like acting like I'm some sort of like fucking bully. And I, and I quote tweeted and I was like, so how did you find this? And she never really like responded to that question, but she followed me on Twitter. Uh, even though I said like, oh, like, I hope you cancel me. Like, it'll be good for my career. And she wrote back and she goes, don't worry. I have no power to be able to cancel someone. You're okay. LOL. But like, I want the heat. I want somebody to fucking cancel me. Like, I need that in my career. Like, stat, you know? Like, every comedian I know who's been like, quote unquote, canceled is thriving. And what am I doing? I'm sitting here in my studio apartment rent controlled in Los Angeles, not doing much of anything. Well, that was self-imposed, but you know what I mean? Uh, I could use the boost. Um, and even though my Twitter, um, interactions are, you know, pretty good. I, I don't know. Like I, like I still haven't had a viral tweet, which has been like my goal for years. Uh, everybody thinks I have, you know, because I've had tweets that have been like, oh, in the range of like 16,000 or 17,000 likes, but I want to regularly have like tweets with thousands of likes. And some people have figured out that formula and I still haven't, like, I just don't understand it. I think it's because I'm not part of the comedy industrial complex, which is a term that, um me and my friends have given to basically it's like a network of comedians who like boost each other's tweets and like retweet each other like constantly and that's how they like build a following it I, I guess it works like with the algorithm where they're like just constantly like retweeting the same people or like tweeting the same subjects and the tweets end up like in you know, like certain like circles and then they blow up, but I don't really know how it works. Like I, the fact that I'm 35 and I'm still trying to like figure out how to get a viral tweet. It's like, oh my God, fucking kill me. Um, <laughs> so if anybody listening to this knows how I can get, um, a viral tweet, please let me know. Please, please, please. I would love that. Um, <laughs> I just saw one of the funniest fucking tweets ever. Um, I have to keep that to myself right now. So anyway, almost got canceled. Definitely didn't. Um, other people are definitely getting canceled right now. Sydney Sweeney is like being canceled. <laughs> this is so fucking ridiculous. So I guess like the other day, her mom had a 60th birthday party and she like posted, you know, some pictures of her with her family, but then her brother like posted his own pictures on his own Instagram and those pictures revealed uh, that the older adults had these hats that were like in the style of like MAGA hats and the hat said something like make 60 great again or something and people like absolutely fucking just like pummeled it. They were like, oh my God, can you believe it? This bitch, well, they didn't even say that, this chick has conservative parents can you fucking believe that? You know, and they're like trying to get her like fucking canceled and like fired from shit. Like people are so fucking crazy, you know, like that's the thing that people are mad about. Oh, oh my God. Like you're related to somebody who 
like isn't as you know progressive as all of us and we're so great and you're scum and all this stuff it's like if people did not talk to their family members that they didn't agree with nobody would be talking to anyone you know and like political stuff that's like the least of the problems i have with the people i'm related to you know like some of these people are just like straight up fucking nuts i don't really care like what their political views are they're crazy without any of that being involved you know um but like the fact that they're trying to like cancel sydney after they like built her up for months as being like oh my god look at these tits you know because she's like the she's like the it girl with like the best tits in hollywood right now it's fucking crazy like it just goes into this pattern of like how culturally like we build up uh you know stars and actors and musicians and this is especially for women actually maybe it's only for women because i don't feel like i've really seen this with men but you know a woman will be like having a moment in the zeitgeist culturally you know and everybody be like oh my god sydney sweeney i love her she's so great whatever and everybody does like her as an actress like she was on euphoria and um the white lotus and on the white lotus she was playing a character that kind of like mocks this sort of like overly woke uh gen z like extremely online type where she was like playing uh the daughter of um connie Britton and steve zahn on vacation in hawaii and she was like i forget what book she was reading but i know she was just like very woke and like her friend was woke with her and that was like part of the joke mm sorry i needed another sip of um cold 7-eleven brand pure water um <laughs> two for 250 i believe um trying to save some money yeah i know like people drink tap water in other places but i don't drink tap water in los angeles and um that's okay you know i um avoid it have i started pouring bottled water into ice cube trays yes Yes, I have. I'm a fancy, fancy woman. Um, if you don't find that relatable, uh, I'm sorry. Um, you can cancel me if you want. Cancel me for pouring uh, bottled water into ice cube trays. Wow, I just saw something so infuriating that just reminded me of something. So um, this guy like messaged me the other night. This is a man who I think I interacted with like maybe like three to four years ago, definitely pre-pandemic. And I had hooked up with one of his friends and his friend like fucking ghosted me after we hooked up. And um, this guy like messaged me like acting like I was going to like go out with him or something. And I was just like disgusted because it's like, okay, look at the company you keep. Like you're friends with a guy who, you know, took me out on a date and then like totally fucking ghosted me. And I think is like really rude. And you're just acting like all casual, like we're going to hook up now. Like you're fucking disgusting. And um, I don't like it. Anyway, this person sent me a message at like 2.30 in the morning the other day. What am I supposed to do with that? I'm 35 years old and you're fucking messaging me at 2.30 a.m. Get it together. Um, only message me at 2.30 a.m. if it has to do with something really important. Like if you're in jail and I know you, call me. Somebody died, call me, okay? 
Is it about, you know, you need to borrow money because you owe money to a cartel or something? Call me. Do not message me if you're some guy who wants to fuck me. I'm 35 years old. What the fuck? So, Sydney Sweeney. Um, yeah. They're still actively trying to drag her down on Twitter. It's, like, so fucking crazy. I saw a tweet that said something like, um, let me see it. I find it. Um, unless Sydney Sweeney forces her parents to vote for Joe Biden at gunpoint, I can no longer in good conscience, quote unquote, stan her TV show about high schoolers snorting heroin out of each other's mouths. <laughs> That's so fucking true. So fucking true. People are like so crazy. Yeah, but this whole pattern of, like, building women up and tearing them down, that's been, like, a part of our culture for so fucking long. I feel like that's been happening forever. And it's still happening. Like, we don't learn anything. We don't change anything. It's just, like, we've changed the reasons for tearing women down. Like, it used to be, like, oh, like, she's just, like, a dumb bitch and annoying. And I don't want to see her anymore. And now it's, like, oh, her parents might have voted for Trump. Like, what the fuck is that about? Like, apparently she's from Spokane, which, you know, what am I supposed to do with that information? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be mad that, that she has a parent or parents that are conservative? I mean, I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, like... I know all kinds of fucking totally unwoke fucking people. I don't care. You know, I've dated guys who hunt, you know, guys who are into the Bible, guys who definitely voted Republican. What am I supposed to do? You know, what am I supposed to do? Mm? Disown them? I mean, I don't know. I don't know just strange we, we just live in strange times you know all i asked is that i got canceled by the martin Kelly woman that didn't happen and instead the entire country it's fo is focusing its ire on a poor innocent actress with big tits i mean they're big relative to her body that's the i don't understand the obsession with sydney sweeney's tits like they're fine right they're in proportion to the rest of her body and that's good for her yeah, love that for her. I think she'll be fine, I hope. Um, damn, it's so fucked up that things like that happen. I think somebody else from Euphoria got canceled recently. Yeah, Hunter Schaefer. I don't even have the energy to talk about that. <laughs> it's like so complicated. Anyway, one thing I do have the energy to talk about is the fact that I recently watched a movie that I have never seen before previously that came out in the 90s. And that movie is The Devil's Advocate uh, from 1997, directed by Taylor Hackford and starring Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino, and Charlize Theron. Um, this movie... Uh, let me just make sure that I have the description of the genre. Genre. Genre? Genre? Um, w was James Lipton, like, really into, like, saying, like, genre? Did he say genre? 
he said it like so French and weird. Um, I could never be that snobby, but I've tried. Let's see, The Devil's Advocate. Yep, 1997, oh, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, uh, The Devil's Advocate is a 1997 American supernatural horror film. Supernatural horror film. I think I would add in American legal supernatural horror film. Because mm. this came out around the same time where like the legal thriller was huge. I don't know if you remember anything about like legal thrillers, but in the 90s, those were just like huge types of movies. Like there was The Rainmaker, uh, The Client, The Firm. Uh, let's see what else was a, a big one. A Time to Kill, of course. That was a big one. Uh, oh, The Pelican Brief. Definitely a 90s legal thriller. Um, legal thrillers with court... Okay, hold on. Legal thriller movies. Um... Yeah, definitely should have prepared this Google, but we're doing it together in real time. Um, yeah, they don't make movies like this anymore. Also, like, legal thrillers, you know, when you work in law, like I do, um, sorry to drop the act, I am not exclusively making a living from entertainment, as we all know, because I am not cancelled. Um, <laughs> oh, Primal Fear, that's another one. Uh, yeah, so they don't really make movies like this. And it's because I feel that um, just like so much of the mystique about law is lost now. Also, the way they sort of like present the law, it's never really accurate. Like in The Devil's Advocate, for example, um, it starts out with this. So Keanu Reeves is uh, he's a criminal defense attorney in Gainesville, Florida. I mean, hello. So speaking of Sydney Sweeney, somebody cancel Keanu Reeves' character in The Devil's Advocate. Let's cancel him, huh? His character's name is Kevin Lomax. The, the fact that his name is Kevin, disturbing. That is disturbing to me. Um, <laughs> so in the movie, he's like representing a middle school teacher who's accused of like molesting a student. And the student is played by close personal friend and friend of the pod, Heather Matarazzo. And he notices, this is not a spoiler, he notices that the teacher is basically like getting off sexually to the testimony of the, of the young girl. And Kevin is like, what the fuck? And, and, and he, you know, he goes to the bathroom and he's like, oh my God, like, how can I, how can I represent this man? He's having like a total like crisis of conscience. Then he goes back out and he totally just like, he decides to do what he's supposed to do and like totally fucking berates um, the little girl. I think her name is Barbara. Totally humiliates her. And he like presents this like drawing that she did making fun of the teacher calling him like a big fat monster or something. It's so fucking laughable. Now, looking back on this, like, the fact that this movie came out 25 years ago, that and they were like, oh yeah, burnt, like, electric chair for that child. Totally. Not guilty. 
not guilty for the molester. So crazy. Anyway, so like the whole thing about him is he's never lost a case, right? So they're out celebrating the case. And then this, this man approaches him and is like, hey, you know, um, I've been watching your work, blah, blah, blah. And the he's black. And then like Keanu's character like makes some weird comment being like, well, but you're black. It was like so fucking weird. I don't know. Like, but he is from Gainesville. So maybe it's not totally weird. So Keanu was really like, you know, inhabiting this character to the max. Um, he's horrible at accents. He's trying to do a Southern accent this entire movie and it's just like falling flat, you know. Um, is he good looking in it? Yes. Yes, he is. Um, did he do a, a good job in this movie? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Um, so Al Pacino plays the devil and <laughs> this is, I'd say this is probably the last movie where Al Pacino is vaguely attractive. This is two years after Heat came out. Um, I did find Detective Vincent Hanna to be hot in some ways. Um, I love Heat. I believe I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, if you haven't watched Heat, please watch Heat. And I also just ordered... Heat 2, which is the sequel, the book sequel to the movie. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting in The Devil's Advocate is Charlize Theron's character. She plays Marianne, who is Kevin's wife. And Marianne starts to see, like, you know, that all these, like, weird people, they move to New York and he gets this job at this high-powered law firm. That's what the guy was offering him. The black guy was offering him that job. And so they move to New York. They're living in this like fancy penthouse, which is in the same building where the devil lives. <laughs> but you don't know he's the devil. It's Al Pacino. So Al Pacino's character is named John Milton. I mean, hello, subtle, right? Um, if you don't know what that is in reference to, John Milton wrote Paradise Lost. So Paradise Lost is like the story of how Lucifer fell from heaven basically i remember reading in college i actually really liked it it's an epic poem um let me just make sure yeah john milton 1608 to 1674 okay that is crazy um <laughs> he he's been dead for like over uh 300 and about he's been dead for about 330 years Yes, yeah, so Paradise Lost, an epic poem in blank verse. The first version was published in 1667 and consists of 10 books with over 10,000 lines of verse. Yeah. Um, it's really fucking good. Uh, the fact that it's so old is amazing because it really does read like... It reads very modern. So, Yeah. The poem follows the epic tradition of starting in media race, which means in the middle of things. I know that in Latin. Uh, the background story being recounted later. Milton's story has two narrative arcs, one about Satan and the other Adam and Eve. It begins after Satan and the other fallen angels have been defeated and banished to hell, or as it is also called in the poem, Tartarus. In Pandemonium, the capital city of hell, Satan employs his rhetorical skill to organize his followers. 
He is aided by Mammon and Beelzebub. I wonder if like any of those characters are supposed to be represented by the other attorneys in the office. So basically John Milton is this like high powered attorney at this firm and they do all kinds of like obscure things that are like, I don't know, everything's very vague and like it's obvious they're engaging in like illegal shit. And Kevin, you know, he's like so blinded by the money that they gave him and you know, he's like so busy, like, you know, just like being powerful. And then he gets this big case, which is like this billionaire real estate developer played by Craig T. Nelson, who something's off about him. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying he's like, like a totally like off guy, but I remember him being on that sitcom coach and just thinking like, hmm, something about this guy is not amusing and he plays this billionaire real estate developer and he's accused of triple murder of his wife steps on and a maid and then kevin is like called in to like do the case and the the thing that's just like weird about uh the movie is just like the depiction of the law and how it works like the trial is like immediately going to happen and like <sighs> Everybody knows that, like, for a case like that, a trial would be, like, over a year later, you know? Like, but you can't do that in, like, a movie where things are immediately happening, right? So, other than that, you know, also the fact that, like, he's supposed to be, like, this expert in voir dire, which is, like, choosing a jury. And there's, like, a scene where he chooses a jury and, like, uh, I think, it, is it for a murder case or something? Anyway, but the the jury like they win with that jury but everybody's like doubting him i don't know it's just like strange the way they do the voir dire because like all the people are in the room and then they're like debating the who to keep in the jury it's just not the way it's done and but you have to do it that way to make it a an interesting um legal thriller you know um and i'm not going to give away the ending but the ending um is upsetting uh, I thought it was upsetting. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I mean, overall, I guess I would say like 3.5 out of 5 stars. It's worth watching. So yeah, that was my journey into the past this year was, I mean, this week. I was watching The Devil's Advocate. And I guess I do recommend it. You know, so if you have the time... I did pay $2.99 to watch it on Amazon Prime because that's the lifestyle I have. Um, go ahead and watch it. Why not? Uh, spend your time doing that instead of, you know, letting your brain rot on Twitter because that's what I've been doing for much too long of my life. So, yeah. I also saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies recently. That's a story for a whole other day. Loved it, though. I thought the ending was great. Uh, 10 out of 10 social commentary. Very good. So, yeah. Uh, my life's getting back to normal, you know, after my personal tragedies. Um, I'm starting to do stand-up again. I'm starting to figure out if I'm going to apply to law school and what I'm doing in life. Um, just, you know, getting back into my creative things. Um, you can see me do stand-up, let's see, September 10th at 7 p.m. at Oe Novino in Atwater Village. So if you're able to see that show come through, I will be there doing all new stand-up comedy. I have 
completely revamped my set. So I'll see you then. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Fixter Heather and on TikTok at Unruly Maruli. All right. Well, you have a good rest of your Sunday or Monday. I think this is Monday morning when I'm putting it up or Monday night. One of those. Okay. Stay safe. Bye. Yeah, in the sky